chapter 2 and verse 18. Good. Little children. Now this is John, the apostle, writing at the end of his life. He's uh, probably very likely in his 90s to him. Everybody's a little children. So we're not talking about just little kids. We're talking about adults in the church. Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists. Whereby we know that it is the last time. And then I'll read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians, awesome. But I fear, lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Check this out. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus. So there's somebody out there preaching a different Jesus. Paul's talking about it. Amen? He that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. I want to preach to you for a little while on Christ and Antichrist. Christ and Antichrist. Let us pray. Reverend Tuick, sir, please pray over our message and messenger. You may be seated. If you want to pull up one more uh, portion, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse 7. When you speak about end times, just bring up all the chapter. We're going to start in verse 7. We'll go a little bit further. When you speak about end times, there's a lot of interest in it. People know the big characters they speak of. The false prophet, or the beast, or the Antichrist. Maybe they're familiar with terms like Armageddon, or the second coming of Christ. Though they may be familiar with those terms, they don't always understand the chronology, the timeline, where they come. And sometimes, when you speak about end times, what it does more than anything is put people in a certain fear. A certain concern. Well, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse 7. Let me read to you. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he that now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. So he said there's something happening that's already going on in the world today. Something happening that's already moving in our midst today. But there's something that's restraining it. He that now lets or he that now restrains will continue to hold it back until he's taken out of the way. Now, going on, let's read a little bit more. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness 
of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. So there's coming a guy that's going to do miracles. He's going to have powers and lying wonders. There's coming a guy that's going to be involved in all these things. We're talking about this Antichrist. And he said, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Why do they perish? Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. God presented truth to them. He presented the gospel. He presented Christ. They didn't accept it because they didn't like it. It was going to make them change their life. They would have to change how they think, how they love, how they act, how they talk, how they live, how they work. And so that because that was too much of a hassle and it would in, infringe upon their freedom and, and bother their fun, they resisted. So what happened? You still with me? It says, and for this cause, verse 11, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. God gave them the truth. They didn't want the truth. And so because they didn't want the truth, God said, all right, I'll give you what you want. Though it's not true, you can have it and you'll believe it. And it may satisfy for a moment, but not for eternity. Now, you start to see these things and... You say, all right, preacher, how does that affect me? Now, here's the good news. You are probably not going to, hopefully not, going to meet Antichrist in your lifetime. If you're a born-again believer, going up to verse 7, he said, he that now lets will let until he be taken out of the way. He's speaking about the church. The Christian church withholds the coming of Antichrist. And when the Christian church is raptured away, then shall Antichrist be revealed. So if you are a born-again believer, we're going to be out of here. Thank God. And perhaps you're saying, I was worried, Pastor. You had my heart kind of thumping. But here's the thing. Paul said that mystery, it's already working. And I read to you in 1 John, he said, there's going to be coming an Antichrist. But he said, but there are already many Antichrists. We know that there's going to be a great battle, but here's the unfortunate or the uncomfortable uh, truth. There is already a battle. So we're already dealing with the spirit of Antichrist and these, these many Antichrists, and we're already dealing with this battle. We've got to know how do we face it, overcome it, deal with it. Now let me give you a little, a little lesson. Christ is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, anti means instead of, or in the stead of, or against. So when we have this antichrist, he is not the truth. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us concerning Satan, because we know antichrist is going to work after the, the coming of Satan, that he is a liar and the father of lies. So we know Christ is the way, truth, and the life. We know that Satan is a liar and the father of lies. We know that those who work for Christ work in truth. We know that those who work for the devil work in lies. Going on. We understand Christ is forever. Antichrist is temporary. We understand Christ is sure and firm. Antichrist is doubtful. Doubt-filled, unsure foundation. We understand Christ is pure. Antichrist is impure and filthy. We understand Christ is spiritual. Antichrist is fleshly and devilish. 
We understand Christ as true ministers, but the Antichrist as those who appear as ministers of righteousness. We understand that Christ operates by the spirit of truth, but Antichrist operates by the spirit of error. Now, preacher, what in the world has this to do with any of that? Because we are under attack, and the attack is truth. And we, who are once understood 2 plus 2 equals 4, are being told it equals 75. And that if we don't agree with that, then you're an idiot and there's something wrong with you. And, and we're bullied into believing things that we know inside are not true. But because we, as Christians who are believers of God, or those of you who may not even be Christians, but think that you're searching after God, we're told to believe things and bullied into accepting things that just aren't Correct. There is an attack on truth. Years ago, everybody knew what a marriage was, a man and a woman. Years ago, everybody knew what a man was and a woman was. Now the world has a hard time defining what a man was, man is, or a woman is. God doesn't have a hard time. And the people that follow the Bible don't have a hard time. Years ago, we knew that there were just two genders, a, a male and female, but now they're telling us there's hundreds of genders. Are you still with me? And so the reality that we understood that many of us grew up with, that, that there is a, a, a right and wrong, that there is a clear-cut black and white uh, sin uh, and righteousness, uh, purity and impurity, now it's like it's all been put in the pot and mixed up and we can't find something uh, in the eyes of the world that's right and wrong anymore. Listen, they'll tell you things like, well, I know you were married for a long time, but because it was, a, it was inconvenient, it was hard, it was difficult, and now you divorced them, and, and you're just trying to find true love, and they say, we understand that. That's not what God said. Oh, man, this is rough. Are you helping me this morning? Because every marriage has difficulties, and every marriage has hardships, and every marriage has challenges. And God, you see, true love, check this out. I like this. It's in my sermon, too. True love, come on, now I'm going mobile, is not finding somebody that's perfect. Where are you going to find them? Where do you find the, uh, the five-and-dime wife store? I'll take one, five foot four, 130 pounds, and rich, and <laughs> can cook good, right? Can skin a deer and, and help spot me when I'm weightlifting. <laughs> Where are you going to find somebody like that? You see, true love is this. In the world, what does the world do? It hides. People put up their Instagram posts. They don't put up their messy house. They clear a little section of the house out, put all the junk behind them, and they pose in that one clear little section, right? <laughs> Amen? They find somebody's fancy car to stand next to to take a picture as if it's theirs. They pump up their muscles, lifting weights so that when they pose in front of the camera, they look bigger than they actually are. <laughs> Come on, fellas. <laughs> Ah, preacher, that's too close to home, man. Come on. <laughs> because we put on a front and a facade that everything in my life is perfect. All my bills are paid. Everything I've got, it's all right. I don't have any problems or issues. But that's just not true. And so people get married thinking they got Mr. Right and Miss Perfect, and then they find out their breath stinks. 
Don't go in the bathroom after them until you let it wait 20 minutes or so. Amen. That they have an attitude sometimes and that they want your attention and affection. And now your money isn't just spent on you. It's divided between the two of you. But here's true love. True love is when you can show somebody, I don't have it all put together. Still got some bills I need to pay. Sometimes I get a bad attitude. I'm not making an excuse for it. I've got, my nose isn't, <laughs> this, this lady, we were, this lady, <laughs> we were in this church and this lady looked at this other lady. And the other lady, she looked at her and she said this, I can't believe anybody would say this, but she said, what's wrong with your nose? Were you in an accident or something? <laughs> other lady just had to say, no, I'm just born that way, sorry. <laughs> Sometimes the gall. Anyhow. But true love is when you share somebody, hey, I've got issues. I've got sicknesses I've got to deal with. I've got bills I've got to pay. I've got, I've got uh, character flaws I'm working on. And that person knows it. And you're completely open. And they still choose to be with you. That's love. Back to Christ and Antichrist. You see, Antichrist wants to just... Make you believe that everything's a certain way. I only love you if you're perfect. And if you haven't had a past, you've never been to jail, let me see your resume. You better have a 4.0. You better have uh, so much money in the bank. I want to see your credit score. What do you want your credit score on your resume now? Eh? I want to see your credit score. I want to see your, your, uh, uh, your last 10 years where you've been living. I want to make sure you don't have any evictions. I want all this stuff because the world is pretending like they're perfect and they only accept perfect people. But that's not true. But God says, listen, I know all about you. I know your sins. I know your sicknesses. I know your diseases. And I still love you. Come unto me just as you are. And I'll forgive you. And I'll save you. And I'll help you. Here's the thing, and the world has created a false idea in the eyes of those that are coming to church. The church world has said, come to church and God is going to make everything perfect. You won't have any problems, you won't have any difficulties, you won't have any uh, 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 problems in your family. You're not going to be sick anymore, but that's never what God promised God promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So in the hard marriage, God will help you. So in the time of disease, God will be with you. So in the time of heartbreak and financial difficulty, God says, I'll be with you. That's what God promises. And so sometimes those who have seen this Pollyanna vision of Christianity come and they get saved and God doesn't instantly put $10 million in the bank and make them lose 100 pounds. It's almost like those diet pills. You ever see those advertisements? Take one diet pill and in 30 days you can eat whatever you want and you're going to lose all that ugly fat. And here's the thing. Somebody believes it because somebody's buying it. And somebody's spending their money. Somebody believes that in Christianity too. Somebody believes that, well, when you come to God, everything's going to be perfect. And that's not the case. Here's what's going to happen. When you come to God and your heartfelt, repentant 
God will forgive you of your sins. And that which has kept you from having a relationship with, you, with him will be taken out. And now you'll be his son or you'll be his daughter. Listen, I love my son, but he's not perfect. But when he messes up and he doesn't get the, uh, 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 the right grade or he doesn't clean his room or something, it doesn't mean that I put him up for adoption. Amen. But when I'm in the family, he understands something. Dad loves me. When I'm in the family of God, I understand something. My father loves me. And even this morning, I'm praying, God, I want to do better. I need your help. And and this is going on. That's going on. Please help me. I want to be better. And I've got a God that's saying, I understand, son. And I'm going to help you because I love you. Antichrist creates this world of fiction. It's almost like a video game where you can control everything. And it's, it's going to be that way. But the truth says, no, it's not that way. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is a judgment one day. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And you've got to make a decision to serve Jesus. The other thing that Antichrist, this world, this false world creates is that there is no judgment for our sin. you got to understand that's just not true. You may not face the judgment today. Go ahead and get drunk this afternoon. Lightning probably, probably won't strike the beer out of your hand. Probably won't knock the pipe out of your hand while you're smoking. Probably won't happen right away. And so in your mind you're thinking, well, there must not be a judgment. But the final judgment doesn't come in the midst of your sin. Be with that man. Be with that woman you're not married to. Go ahead. Have sex with them even though God says that sex was meant to be inside your marriage and only inside your marriage. And it may not be that you come down with a disease or that she gets pregnant or that something happens. You may enjoy the moment, but it's not done. One day you'll stand before God. And here's the other thing, that the, the world makes out sex like it is the sum total of life. And if you're, if you're not having it, and if yours isn't explosive and fireworks going off and everything, then you're missing out. Now, it's great, and thank God God made it great and everything, but that's not the sum total of life. There's something beyond that. And one day when we stand before God, we're going to have to give an account. And those who, who continue in sin, whether it be drunkenness, whether it be hatred, whether you've got this secret thing that you're holding on the inside, you hate the black folks or you hate white folks, and you don't show it because you know that's not accepted, but you hold it on the inside, one day that's going to come out. One day we'll stand before God, and there will be a judgment. Listen to what the Bible said. Not one sin shall enter into heaven. There won't be anything that slides by. Now that's serious business because we have all slid by before. We've convinced the teacher the dog ate my homework when you just didn't do it. You told your wife that you were working late but you were with the boys at the bar. You told your husband, uh, it's just a friend that you're talking to but you're really uh, flirting with this dude that you shouldn't be flirting with. And you get away with it sometimes. But you never get away with it with God. When we stand before God, he knows the deepest secrets of our heart. Now, here's the thing. He's saying, come to me, and I'll forgive you. I know all about you. You don't have to be perfect to be accepted. I will accept you, and then I will work with you. I will change your heart, and I will work with you to sanctify you and make you more like me every day. 
And it doesn't matter if you've been saved 30 days or 30 years, you still need to grow. And part of how we need to grow is obey. Now here's another thing, that the devil has created this false world. He's created this false world as if we are not attracted to members of the opposite sex. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because the world says it doesn't matter how you dress. It doesn't matter uh, how you are. This comes into more than one way. The world says, well, so what? She's wearing uh, uh, yoga pants and everything. She looks like she was poured into it. It doesn't really matter. Well, God said it did. He said, I want you to dress modestly. Why? Because God's saying, listen, I know I created man. I created man to be attracted. Fellas, would you please say amen? Amen. Don't you lie in God's house. Amen? Amen. And so God says, hey, listen, lady, I want you to dress modestly. Don't wear everything so tight and revealing because you're going to cause those thoughts. Well, he should, he should be in control of himself. He is. There's no excuse for it. But at the same time, we are human beings. And we can't pretend like that's not there. Come on, sisters. You know you like those muscles. <laughs> now, you should like your husbands. Amen. Send him to the gym if he doesn't have any. But we can't pretend that that doesn't have an impact. Now, here's the other thing. What about what we're facing today? God before said, listen, I want men to dress like men. Did you know the Bible said that? I want women to dress like women. He said it was an abomination for a man to wear that which pertains unto a woman and for a woman to wear that which pertains unto a man. God said that. Do you think that God understood where this was all going to lead to? Because now cross-dressing and transgenderism and, and homosexuality, all these people whom we love and we want them to go to heaven... But it's really the rebellion from the word of God that has led people down this pathway. Men have dressed like women and women have dressed like men. Uh, Contrary to what the scripture said. And God knew what he was talking about. I got one amen, but some of you know. You're right, Pastor. Let me go on. I'm in the end times. I have to deal with the spirit of Antichrist. I'm already battling against the spirit of this age. Now, my son and I, we were talking the other day, and we said this. I'm not done. We said, how can they think that way? I think that's what he said, and I've said the same thing. I want to give you an example. Where's my picture of the woman? I want you to look up here. How many of you see an old woman? Put your hand up. How many of you see a young lady? Put your hand up. Okay. Now some of you are seeing the young lady just saying, what in the world are they talking about an old woman? That is not an old woman. And some of you that are seeing the old woman, you're saying, what in the world are they talking about? That is not an old woman. That's a young lady. Now keep looking, keep looking. Now change. That's the old woman. Now go back. 
Can you see the old woman now? All right, go forward. Go forward. That's the young woman. Can you go back? Go back. That's, can you see the young woman now? How many can see both now? All right. All right, go ahead and play the little video. If you can't, it goes this way. Old woman or young woman, you see it? All right, and there's the old woman. And there's the young woman. One more time, there's the old woman and the young woman. Separate, you see them, and then you are done. That's it. Thank you. Now, sometimes we as Christians, we look and we only see one thing. Or sometimes those of you who are out there in the world, you only see one thing. And you're wondering, why in the world does he preach those things? Why in the world does God say you need to be modest? Or why in the world does God say that you should be a man if you're a man, be a woman if you're a woman? I see it from my point of view. Well, you're seeing it, you're being persuaded, you're being conditioned from the spirit of antichrist that's in the world to see what he wants you to see instead of seeing what God wants you to see. You still here? I'm almost done. Get ready. Antichrist will deny, in essence, reality and teach others to doubt truth. They will deny the truth about modesty. They will deny the truth about the other Jesuses that Paul talked about. All of these are building blocks and tools in developing his kingdom. A kingdom built upon the foundation of lies, half-truths, and innuendo. But the rule and reign of Antichrist is temporary. When Christ returns, he will vanquish the lies. He will restore the truth. and He will rule justly. His kingdom will have no end. But when we resist the truth, you open yourself to lies. They receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved, the Bible said. And so God would send them a strong delusion. But I want you to read one more portion, 2 Thessalonians 2 and 8. He said, then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. Then shall that wicked be revealed, and the Lord will consume him with the spirit of his mouth. Now, if you're a Bible reader, you know what comes out of Jesus' mouth. The sword of the spirit. The word of God. Which is the truth. Amen? So the Antichrist who focuses in false and deception and lies will be consumed with the truth. Preacher, I don't want to be Uh, taken down that wrong pathway. I don't want to see the things that he wants me to see. I want to see what God wants me to see. Then you've got to get your nose in the truth. Uh, You've got to spend time in the truth. Uh, You've got to have Jesus fill you up with his truth, with his spirit, with, uh, with himself, so that there's no room for what the world wants to put inside of you. Bible said, unless a man is born again, he will not see, shall not see the kingdom of heaven. The Bible said, all adulterers and drunkards shall have their part in the lake that burns with fire. We're not saying that we are perfect, but there is a God who loves imperfect people. If they will lay down their facade of perfection, their Instagram filter, and be open to him. I'm getting ready to close. There's a guy, I guess he's a famous actor named Matthew Perry. I read about him because 
he just recently published a book. And this actor talked about <clears throat> he was addicted to um, OxyContin and alcohol. After a jet ski accident, he was taking up to 55 Vicodin a day. He got down to 128 pounds while he was acting. He went to rehab 15 times. Eventually, when he was 49 years old, he almost died. They put him on an ECMO machine that does all of the bodily functions for him. Those on those machines, from what the articles read, only have a 2% chance of living. But he lived. During that time, he was in a coma. His lower intestines were perforated and he had to get a colostomy bag. If you're not familiar with what that is, it's basically... Instead of your waste going out the natural way, it comes out this bag because your, your intestines can't, uh, can't, can't handle it all the way through. And, and because there's holes, it, it, so they, they keep from it being spread through your body. They just bring it out this bag. Pretty nasty. If you're sick and you've got to do it, it's better than dying. And he had to have that bag. He woke up with it from his, his coma and he had that bag for nine months. They said, what made you? What made you stop? He said, my therapist said, the next time you think about taking OxyContin, just think about having a colostomy bag for the rest of your life. He said, a little window opened and I crawled through it and I no longer wanted OxyContin. But it, the story gets better. He said, he was able to win his battle against alcoholism after an experience in which he believes he sensed God in his kitchen. He said it was a bright yellow that became all-encompassing. I couldn't see the kitchen anymore, just this light. And I felt loved and understood and in the company of God. Maybe you've come today and you say, Preacher, you don't know my addiction. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's a drug. Maybe it's anger or hatred. But there is a God, the same God who knew and loved and understood this man and helped him and delivered him knows and understands you if you'll come to him. What do I need to do? Join the church, give all my money? No. Come and say, Jesus.